1: Welcome to all of our becoming your best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a fun guest with us today. I'm looking forward to our visit together, having worked with organizations like Nike, Columbia Sportswear, to associations such as Fashion Group International and the National Speakers Association. She shares a unique perspective so that the information ideas that she talks about actually stick and work. And she has two TEDx talks to her credit, as well as three decades of experience. And you will be enlightened as well as challenged while shifting from the less stellar things most leaders do to focus on only what the best leaders do. And so that's why I'm excited to have Shauna Shu with us today. Welcome, Shauna. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> what man. A, what an
2: introduction. Enthusiasm is what makes the world go. So <laughs> bravo, Steve. Man,
1: we're, you're talking my language, uh, Shauna, when you talk about what the best leaders do. So we're going to have fun together. Yes, we are. All right. Now, before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Shauna. She is a lifetime adventure, entertainer, and leadership expert, and she is an innovative thought leader who can help you unpack the pesky problems you encounter when you lead people. I love it. And with a curious mind, herself, and a master's certificate to neurolinguistic programming, she is exceptionally skilled in the art of uncovering leadership blind spots through Coaching, facilitating leadership groups, and really catapulting leaders out of the leadership weeds and into the leading teams effectively. So, we're going to have a great time talking about these things. And the first question I'd like to lay out for you, Shauna, is just tell us about your background and including any really turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you and what you're doing
2: today. Thank you. I always think to myself, your question is very sound because people are like, well, who is this? You know, and, and what has she done? Of course, somebody trusted me, Columbia Sportswear and Hockey, and my clients trust me. And I've had some of my clients for decades, which is amazing. And then you would think to yourself, and you and I both know this, people who are on a quest of continual learning, once they understand something, they do stay. They want more. And I think that was just, I don't know if it's something you're born with maybe or something that you're just encouraged, but learning and being a lifelong learner is something that I think I have, but the leaders that I work with that are actually the most effective are the ones that are curious or seeking or want to figure out something that would work better. So I've been this, this girl, right? I was raised in a modest home. We had a small farm. I call it a gentleman's farm because it was just enough acres really for my dad, who was the gentleman, not to be seen when he goes to the bathroom off the back porch. And that's why my mother sent me to finishing school. (laughs) And I went to finishing school three times, but that's a different story. Uh, I also taught it for over 20 years. And so within that, I started learning. And it was real interesting. I was teaching teenagers a lot, young women who wanted to be models or whatnot. But I thought the most important class was the preview to modeling where it was about finishing, mm. where we were talking about how they were thinking and how they put themselves together. And I was like, I felt like I was making a gigantic difference in these people's lives because I was helping them get any job mm. because many of them were coming in and they they didn't have the stuff to become a model, but they had the stuff to become great at whatever they chose to do. And I spent... 25 years of my life, writing the programs and developing things that would help these people. And then it occurred to me as I was doing this, that really I needed to talk to the parents and then it equated to who is leading people. So if leaders really were the models, if leaders were the ones that were the curious people, the ones that were doing the work, then their teams would take care of themselves it was always interesting to me when, as I started my, my business and I was doing this, I'd meet leaders and they would go, oh, you need to come in and talk to my team. Ooh. So I did. And then the team was like, oh, it's the leader. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's the leader. <laughs> and so then as I started leading groups and organizations of my own, I started to really get into studying what makes certain leaders super effective. And then I was a speaker for many years. I was working on communication and mindset and then companies would come and go, you think differently. And I also use other species, animals a lot in my analogies. And they were like, could you come and talk to our company? And next thing I know, I'm facilitating groups. And, you know, so then I continued my education and I think that when I see natural leaders or people who earned a leadership position, many of them are humble enough or understand that they don't know what they don't know. And so then they seek people like you or me, and they want more help, and they are reading the books, or they need an advocate. And so I now am in a leadership or executive coach.
1: Awesome. What a great so, background. Okay. Yeah. I've got so many questions for you. and. And like, tell <laughs> us about finishing school. What do you tell these people, these ladies, primarily? I guess, or young ladies? How did you prepare them? How did you teach them to get finished?
2: Oh, well, well, thanks. I, you know, it's really interesting. I think the the reason that <laughs> I have been successful is I think differently. It wasn't about the rules, even though I understand all the rules. I went through finishing school three times, taught it for twenty five years, but I really came to the conclusion that you want to know the rules. It's the same with leadership. You want to know some things so that you're not inadvertently offending people. You're, you're not making mistakes out of ignorance, but if you stick too hard to the rules, you're losing the relationship. So I'm a person who believes if, if we do our work, our internal work, our work, then we're going to have the elements that the traits that will help us understand when to break those rules when to give a little concession so that we build the relationship. And so that's, that's kind of the philosophy I came at. Let's learn the rules. The
1: rules were etiquette or- Yes,
2: yes, etiquette, communication. You know, there's ways to put on a coat, interestingly enough. And really the reason to do it properly is so that you're not swinging it around and whacking somebody in the face. So even etiquette is really, from the very beginning- you would shake hands with the right hand because if you had your hand connected to another person, you could not draw a sword. So there is so many ways and people put their name tag on the left side because they're right-handed. So they write with their right hand and they, it's easier for them to put it on their left side. But if you are really putting on a name tag for other people, you will put it on your right side. So when you extend your hand They can glance at your hand, glance at the name tag and your face without having to rake their eyes across your chest. (laughs) So most etiquette, most of the things that back in those days was really about how to make it easier for someone else. And isn't this what leadership is? Mm -hmm. My definition of leadership is really to help your team, to help others uncover and discover it for themselves, you know. We're the catalyst, not the teller, not the delegator. Although we do those things, really, we're there to help others come up to their brilliance.
1: Wonderful. Well, one of the reasons, uh, Shauna and I had the chance to visit briefly before we started this show today, this interview, and and I indicated that we talked about the forty years of research that I've done based on. It started uh, with interviewing leaders from all over the world, and I thought it wouldn't take very long. It took over 40 years as I was going through my career of being an entrepreneur, buying and selling businesses, and what I was looking for, and I ended up interviewing over 175 CEOs around the world. And what I was looking for is what set apart high-performing individuals from everybody else and high-performing teams from everybody else. And what we discovered is none were perfect. None of these leaders were perfect. But what we saw over and over again were 12 things that they did.
2: Nice. And that's what we put in the book,
1: Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. So when I saw about Shana's background, one of the things I've discovered is we don't own those 12 principles of right. really successful leaders. They're evident and, and you practice them, uh, you have observed them, but you may describe them, what you see a little bit different and that'll help all of our listeners. It'll help me. So I am so excited to have you with us today and let's just dive into the leadership part. And from your point of view, Shauna, what do the best leaders do with their teams?
2: This is going to sound Almost too simple, And yet it is what I have found to be the most imperative way for them to be successful, and that's to be a person who asks questions. So when I'm working with my leaders individually, they'll complain. "My team is not doing what they're saying, or one particular person, and I've told them a hundred times, or I've, I've told them this, but they didn't ask them that. And I'm like, "Well, what, what did you ask them? They didn't. They told them how important it was. They told them they needed it right away, but they didn't ask them, what is it that's preventing you from getting this to me? They didn't ask them, do you understand the importance of this? Because maybe they don't get any of it. And so when a a leader becomes a much better questioner, they get better results. Now there's a caveat to that, Steve. And one of it is, is that after, after I'm working with some leaders and, and I'm like, well, what did you ask him? What did you ask him? And they'll go, oh, Shauna, you would have been so proud of me. I ask him questions right off the bat. I go, tell me what you ask him. They go, yeah, I ask him, what were you thinking? <laughs> 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 and I'm like, uh, not a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really, we think we're pretty good questioners or we think we ask some questions, but we really ask questions to make them feel stupid or not Right. Like, really, you were thinking this? Or what? who told you to do that? Those are all questions, but they make somebody feel less than, or they make them feel stupid. So there is what I've really uncovered is not just the simplicity of being a leader that asks questions, but being a masterful questioner, where you're really asking them a question to say, do you agree? Or is this something that you thought of? Or walk me through your thought process here. And ultimately, then they'll learn things that they never knew. And more importantly, the person walking them through will uncover where their mistakes were right, right by saying it out loud. Yeah. So that's what I think the most effective do is that they, they ask masterful questions.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that uh, we've observed together is the best leaders can't lead unless they understand. They understand what the situation is, they understand what the story is of the people they work with so that they can bring out the best in them and so one way to gain this knowledge is to listen yes and and to bring the best out in people yeah and ask so let's go a little deeper into that shana can you describe by the way this has already been worth uh, our session talking about finishing
2: Yay, good.
1: (laughs) I love that from the get-go. Like, uh, yeah, don't swing your... Oh, no, it was uh, put on your name tag on the...
2: Right side.
1: Right side. So that when you shake hands, they look right there. See, this is worth it already. Good. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's get into the questions. What are some of the best questions that you found that are ways to ask them so leaders can bring the best out than others, but they also can understand the situation, which then allows them to lead, to be a great leader.
2: Great question. And there are what I consider a few lead-in lines that I share with my coaches, my leaders, and it depends on what you're attempting. So before any question, Steve, if we move backwards and say, what's my intent here? So if we look and said, is my intent To make them wrong? Is my intent to get it my way? Or is my intent to really understand your point? Or is my intent to help them understand themselves? If I understand my intent, same with the rules. Do I want to keep the rules or do I want a good relationship? When I know my intent, the questions are easier to decipher. So before any question, ask yourself, what do I want from this exchange? That's huge. Because when I'm angry or something went wrong or a leader is confronted with a dilemma or an angry customer, sometimes we go into a fixer mode or our questions are very blunt or pointed instead of seeking to understand, right? So if my intent is to uncover what's going on, some of the lead-in questions would be help me understand and then whatever just happened. Ooh. You could also use a lead in like okay. okay, just so we're clear dot dot dot, please describe to me what went on, or so there's no confusion dot dot let's go through, and when you ease in when you when you preface your question with the reason that you're asking or digging is not to make you wrong and not to you know fix this right away, but just to elaborate on. How did this occur? Suddenly people are like, oh, okay. Yes. So there are a variety of lead in questions like those that help leaders ask, soften it and also then get to the actual crux of what went on.
1: Okay. Yeah. So there's an event and and they're trying to facilitate getting to a better place than just really say, you know, help me understand this. I'd like to get the full picture. And I love the fact about the intent. Yes. Yeah, that's vital.
2: Yeah,
1: I've been reading a book recently and by John Gottman, Eight Dates.
2: I have it. (laughs)
1: It's great. It's It's fabulous. It's magnificent. He's up in your area, I think Seattle or certainly up in the Northwest, but it's eight days for married couples, you know, or new couples or whatever. But it's about how to develop a strong relationship.
2: And And it's about. And it's about the question. Yeah. By the way, I have to tell a funny story on myself. I am single. And so I saw this. I love the Love Labs, really brilliant work. So I saw this book called Eight Dates to, you know, a good relationship. And I went, oh, I go on dates all the time. I could go on eight dates. And so I order the book. And then, of course, it's eight dates with the same person, which I actually. (laughs) Anyway, but when you read the book there's all these series of questions. So let's look at that relation. There it is. Let's look at that relationship. Like how, this is the question, how do you deal with conflict? Well, if you don't ask a question, you don't know. So I agree with you. I think it's brilliant, but it's the intent that I want a relationship with this person. I believe like if I'm married to this person, we could work these things out by asking each other things that maybe we just assumed.
1: Well, I'm so glad you're familiar with the book because uh, it is marvelous. And, and I'm glad that you took a few moments to really expand a little bit on the fact that that's what it's based on. It's on questions, open oh, yep. questions, listening, understanding, and this is leadership. This is leadership is what each person can do to get to a better place. And, well, here was the the one sentence of that book that just rocked my world. I loved it. And it gets back to your intent. And it was this, this one line, when you feel pain, whether it's anger or hurt or sadness or whatever, my world stops and I want to be of help.
2: Mm. Wow. I mean, for the couple, the but other for her, couple. Now, for that person, for my that's partner, exactly.
1: you know. When you feel pain, my world stops so I can be of help. I thought, well, okay, this is good for any leader, anytime. And if you're feeling something, that's how I can bring out the best. So
2: somebody sent me this earlier and Richard Rohr in his book, Immortal Diamond, wrote this. I want you to be you, all of you, your best you. That's what true lovers say to one another, not just I do not like this about you. Or why don't you change that? Sincerely caring for another person before trying to change him or her is the only way that person will change anyway. And think about that as a leader. If you were to say, I want you, teammate, the person I hired because of your skills, your expertise, your abilities, your talents. I want you to be you, all of you, your best you. Is if, you if you apply that to your team right there, Versus, I don't like your whatever it is. Think of what can happen in every relationship.
1: I love it. Okay, good job. I'm glad we had that (laughs) wonderful, spontaneous discussion. We've got so much more to cover, so let's uh, keep going. What are some of the limiting things leaders do? Things they do that hold other people back, really?
2: Um, There's three that I focus on with my clients, And the three are leaders tell. They tell people what to do. They tell what they think. They tell about their, they're always telling. And when they're telling people, that doesn't mean that they heard it. And so we spend a lot of time telling everybody what to do or telling everybody what we think. And the next thing that they do is a lot of leaders sell. They're selling their ideas. Oh, I've got this great idea. I want your input. And I always laugh because the leaders I work with almost nearly all of them will say, my team tells me the truth. <laughs> like, so you think. Um, uh, that's It's just not true. You, their job is tied into you. So if you come in as a leader and say, I've got this great idea and I want you to poke holes in it or whatever it is, you've already ruined it because you just said you thought it was a good idea. That's the sell part. You know, you're selling your mission. I was just pause on um, that
1: for a second. Okay. I love it. I mean, if you <laughs> put your name tag on the right side, what you do, don't do is start a conversation by saying, well, I've had this good idea. Yeah. <laughs> go. <laughs> no, that's a real habit to get out of. It's just, you know, it's, it's changing that. So, amen.
2: <laughs> and, and this is us stopping because one of the things I'm uncovering and I help my clients with this is the inconsistency of leaders they're really unclear and inconsistent because what we said was so great about them is their curiosity and they're out there learning. So the leader's moving along down the line and then they just read the new book. It could be your book. And they come in and they go, we need to work on this. And everybody's rolling their eyes. And it's like, oh, one more book that this guy just read. (laughs) And where do we hold? Where do we hold our consistency of what's the most important thing in this culture?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And I find that many leaders don't have that because they're so excited about what they learn or they want to share it with their team. So number one, don't start with, it's a good, I have a good idea. (laughs) Actually, so what they do is they tell, they sell their ideas, their, whatever they want, their current initiatives. And the last thing, which is one of the ones that hurts them more than they even know is they allow, they're allowing and tolerating things that are hurting their team that they have no idea about. And I use a lot of animal analogies. I live, if if you heard the little bumble behind me, I've got dogs in my office and there's guidelines to this culture I live in, right? So the dogs are not allowed in the house unless I invite them in. It's not a demand. It's not dictatorship. It is absolutely rules that we've agreed to. Now I'm the leader, so I agreed to those rules. They're my rules. However, if the dogs are outside, then I have a towel and I can wipe their feet when they come in. Mm -hmm. But the one day that they're nice and clean and it's summer, there's nothing, and everybody runs into the house, the dogs then will think that every now it's always that way. Mm. If the dogs aren't allowed on the couch, but the day they're clean, they're on the couch. The rest of their life, they're on the couch, dirty or, or clean. So when we allow bad behavior with our teams, or we allow someone, I'm working with a company right now, I'm doing facilitation with their top leaders as well as their entire culture. The way the team feels about it is you're allowing somebody to come in late every day. And so why should I be here on time? They're making the same amount I'm making. I guess it's okay. And that's the allowing. Or when someone's rude, there's this fine line you dance as a leader because if you call someone out for rudeness, and you've embarrassed them publicly, then you could do more damage to them as well as the rest of the team could be fearful. However, here we go, Steve. If my intent is love, if my intent is to just ask the question, recently I had, I was with a group, there was 20 of them, and, and one was into side talking, and he was being somewhat rude to me. And so instead of calling him out in a bad way, I simply stopped and said, something's happening and I just need to ask a question. And every eye went to me and I said, the side conversation seems disrespectful. Would you respect me enough to stop that? (laughs) That's a question mark. And he looked up at me. I he went, yeah, I will. And I'm going to tell you, the entire room shifted. And when I did my reviews at the end, you know, I said, please rate this meeting. He had not been giving me great reviews, but on that day, I got a 10. Uh So now think about this for a moment. My intent was not to embarrass. My intent, though, was not to allow. Because this, once somebody gets out of control or they take over the meeting, then if you stop and say, let me just stop for a second and ask you a question. Could we put this on a parking lot for later? and stay to our agenda? Are they going to say, no, it's, I have to do it my way. You've gently, gratefully, and graciously said, can we put this on the parking lot?
1: Okay. Did that help at all, Steve? Of course, yeah. And I love on the uh, tell, sell, and what you allow. That's pretty, pretty profound stuff, really. And on the, you know, I have a good idea. There's so many other ways you can do that that's productive. You know, I've been thinking about something And I read into this new book, uh, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. How could it be helpful to us? Uh, Do you see challenges with it? What could the benefit be for us? What are your thoughts? How do you see it? So there's different ways to put it that, again, brings the best out in people. And I love the idea on what's allowed and what's not. And it's got to be crystal clear in an organization. Here are some of the values of how we do things. Uh, we don't discriminate. We don't harass. We're not dishonest. Uh, we're straightforward. There are boundaries that, of how we treat one another.
2: Well, and, and Steve, if I may be so bold, one of the things I work with my leaders because uh, what we focus on, we get. Yeah. So I usually will ask my leaders not to use the word don't Yeah. with their teams. I'll say, when we say we don't, whatever it might be. We don't, whatever, whatever, then we're focused on that, that negative. It's like, when you say, don't drop that glass, the only thing the brain hears is drop the glass. So (laughs) they say, watch out, you know, and you're, "Ah!" so instead think about your intent and the opposite of don't drop the glass is hold on tight. So if you were to say that we, we don't discriminate, we don't do this and we don't do that. We say instead our culture is inclusive. Our culture is honest. Our culture is gentle or all our culture is questioning. And suddenly people are thinking of inclusion and questioning, and they're thinking of all the good things about the culture instead of the, like, we're going to stay outside until the feet get cleaned. Does that sound agreeable to everybody? Well, the dogs don't, you know, they're like, whatever you tell me to do. But if I were to say that this is how we work, we're going to be an on-time culture. Does that sound agreeable to everybody? And suddenly it's an on-time culture, not a, we're never late.
1: Yeah. So in other words, you uh, shift that and make it a positive focus. Have you found, for example, let's just take that, and well, I can't believe we're already getting to the end of our interview, we're almost done for heaven's sakes, <laughs> is that it, it, you take something like discrimination that you feel so strongly about and you want to be sure it's not taking place. You could say inclusive, but I, I'm just saying, I'm just discussing this out loud, but sometimes the do nots make it very clear, but I like the idea we are inclusive. Uh, our employees deserve the right to come and be safe.
2: Yes, and Steve, one of the things that helps is a question behind that. So I just worked with a company and we were allowing, I'd been working with the leaders for quite some time. There's six main leaders. And so we brought in in different groups and we worked on what professionalism meant to them. And we ultimately let them design what professionalism looked like. Now it was facilitated, so we really got where they needed. And so if you were to say, we are inclusive, then, when somebody could be rude or could show either favoritism or some sort of intolerance, instead of saying we don't allow that, we instead ask this amazing question: that was your action inclusive? That's a yes or no. Yeah. If we just worked on what is professionalism for this culture, so then if somebody's late,
1: okay. Yeah, I, li- I like what you're saying.
2: Once you've made this agreement. Then it's a yes or no. Were you inclusive? Were you on time? This is a yes or no. Yep. Now, if they say no, I wasn't. Then the next question, not well, you're docked or whatever. The next question is, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to fix what just happened? And suddenly, your team is empowered. It's it's really about questions and brilliance, and I love what I do. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's great. Well, we're done. Wow, we're done. It's just gone like that. So let's hit any final tips you would like to leave with our listeners today.
2: I think probably the intent piece, if you actually think to yourself, what do I want with my team? And I find that when I talk to many of my clients, they really don't know what they want. They're in this role. Maybe they were put in this role and they're just trying to do their best or their intent is not to foul up. And wrong intent, if it really is. And here's the nugget to help people uncover and discover things themselves. Your job will get easier, and you'll get out of the weeds.
1: I love it. And leadership applies in the home, in your own. Oh life, yeah, <laughs> with your teams and your whole company. So thanks. Well, it's been a total delight. How can people find out about what you're doing, Shauna?
2: Thank you, Steve. I everything's on my website. Of course, I have a LinkedIn profile as well. It's my name, which is Shauna, S-H-A-W-N-A, Schuh, S-C-H-U-H. It's spelled the German way. And my website, I have a, a free uh, half hour. Whoops, there goes my dogs. No, they're um,
1: cheering you on. They're saying- they're, They hey, are, they're saying do this. Uh,
2: if someone wants just to talk with me, I they can just schedule for my website. And I do this because for two reasons. Number one, I just love to give. Why I'm on your show is because I think I've got some things to say that are valuable. And number two, it kind of keeps me in the pulse of what's happening with people. So anyway, they can do that on my website, shana.shu.com.
1: shana.shu.com. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, it's been so fun having you with us today. And congratulations on the good work you're doing, Shauna.
2: Thank you so much. It's been an honor to work with you with all that you've done. I just am just thrilled. Thank you from my heart.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a delight to have you. And we wish all of our listeners the very best as you too are implementing these things, hungry to learn and and making a difference in so many people's lives. It's been a thrill to have you all with us today. This is Steve Schallenberger signing off, wishing you a great day today and always.
0: Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.